If you turn with me again, your Bible, <coughs> to Judges 13, the text for the message this morning. <coughs> I shall read several verses there and then some verses from the psalm. I make no apology for time spent reading. I have a short message probably. And I have more interest in hearing the Word of God than hearing my sermon. Judges chapter 13. This great and amazing story. Verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bear not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive, and bear a son, and now drink no wine, nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death then Manoah entreated the Lord and said oh my Lord let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born and God hearkened to the voice of Manoah the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me that came unto me this day. The proper translation, you'll notice the word other is in italics. It should be translated, the man that came unto me this day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. 
And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink any wine, drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. <clears throat> and then in the Psalms, chapter 25 and verse 12, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Then in chapter 51, one verse only, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Turn with me in your hymn book, if you will, to hymn number 468. Stand with me, please. Sing together a broken heart, my God, my King, is all the sacrifice I bring. The God of grace will ne'er despise a broken heart for sacrifice. Lord, 
After reading to you from our text of study two weeks ago and again this morning in Judges chapter 13, I read to you also this morning these words from the Psalm number 25 and verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. He will show them his covenant, the secret. Here we find the Hebrew word sodeh, which literally translates the intimacy of consolation. The intimacy of consolation is with them that fear the Lord. And that is exactly the word translated in our Bible, secret. This is exactly the word that I would like to fix in your mind today as we begin to contemplate Mrs. Manoah. And of course, that is a title of my own invention. Her name is not given, but we know she is the wife of Manoah, so we may, in good southern traditional style, call her Mrs. Manoah. This was a woman, surely, who came to possess the intimacy of consolation, the secret of the Lord. In her quiet, unpretentious, intimate, and faithful walk with her God, this woman came to be the possessor of the secret of the Lord the intimacy of his consolation. This is a woman whom God found in the field. Verse 9 in the latter part. Found her in a field, but quite alone. Her husband was not with her, the scripture tells us. And it was there that he came not just once, but twice, to bring her the news of his plans for Israel's deliverance and her instrumentality 
in, our, in it, in their deliverance. She, says our God, was to be the deliverer of the deliverer. She was to deliver the deliverer. She that was barren, as we saw in the first message that I preached, she that was barren, she that was barren was to bear a son. Oh yes, there were others in Israel's long history, I'm sure, that come to your mind immediately. Others who were barren, and our God gave them a child of uniqueness and a child for deliverance. We read of Isaac in Genesis chapter 21. We read of the good Jacob in Genesis chapter 25. We read of Samuel in 1 Samuel in chapter 1. And John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. And then preeminently we read of a maiden who was barren not because God had closed her womb, but because she was still a virgin. And then delivered to her our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yes, there were others. Yes, there were others. But here today in our text is one of whom it is said that she was uniquely alone in a field. And what field is it in which she is found quite alone? May I suggest from our record several thoughts on this woman alone in the field. I give to you first of all that she was clearly and obviously alone in a field of labors. She was alone in a field of labors. I hope you do not believe or think or have a vision come to your mind when this text is read before you that this woman was somehow sitting in a lounge chair in a field. Certainly not. While the details in the narrative itself are somewhat scant, we know plenty from the context of this setting. It was the common work of a woman in Israel at this time to be found laboring in the fields of cultivated land. Sometimes in groups, sometimes quite alone. It was from exactly this type of scene that we have that most glorious love story in all the Bible, the story of Ruth. In the fields of Boaz. Indeed. This is a field. Of labor. But here was a little Israelitish maiden. Laboring in a field alone. We do not so easily recognize her location. In the record. Of that first visit. From our Lord in. Verses 3 through 5. But it becomes more clear with us 
When we see that encounter that word again in his second visit in verse 9, and God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. Here was a woman alone in the field of labor. Oh, could I just pause and arrest your hearts here on this thought, on this scene. Here is a woman inconspicuous to the world at large, inconspicuous to the world at large, bringing no attention to herself in her labor, making no noise in her affairs, just laboring. Faithfully, quietly, intently laboring. When God comes and speaks to her out of all the maidens in Israel, God comes and speaks to her. <laughs> speaks to her where? In the field of her labors alone. Ladies, could I just point your heart to this scene and admonish you with all my heart that you take a long, hard look at Mrs. Manon today. Mrs. Manoah is just in a field laboring. She's not loitering. She's laboring. She's laboring physically, no doubt. That's her purpose for being there. She's laboring for the provision of her husband and her home. Her household. She's laboring physically. We all know that quaint little quip. We've all heard it. Man's work is from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. And it's true. I won't take the time, I don't need to with this congregation to take you to Proverbs 31 and read you that virtuous woman and all of her labors upon labors upon labors upon labors. Every time I read that text, whether it's privately or in the public place or every time I think of it, every time I look at it, one question always pops in my mind. When did this woman ever sleep? When did this woman ever sleep? She's laboring physically. But can I suggest to you as well, she's laboring spiritually. Oh, it cannot help but be clear in this text that while her hands are in labor with untiring faithfulness, her heart no doubt was engaged with heaven. 
I conclude that from Psalm 25 and verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Those of a broken and contrite heart, God will visit them. This God visited this woman. She must have been, must have been engaged with heaven while she labored with her hands. Oh, no doubt but that her total preoccupation was with the burden of Israel's sad state of oppression. It is more than probable that much of her present work was directly the fruit of the brutal and crushing hardships laid on her nation and on her feminine back by evil men's cruelty. Forty years Israel has been under the oppression of these people. And this little woman is caught in a field laboring by herself, laboring, and there's no question that what occupied her heart was the burden of it all. Oh, she here she is in a field alone to bear that burden, to bear that load. No doubt but that her heart is crying out to her God in this very hour when the angel of the Lord appears. Oh, can I say how many deliverers have been sent to God's Israel by the intercessory labors of a woman alone in a field of suffering. How many deliverers over the centuries have been sent to God's people by the intercessory labors of a woman alone in a field of sorrows. Soon enough in Israel's history, one such deliverer will be sent. Samson, as a direct fruit of a woman laboring alone in a field of pain and intercession. We're familiar with it, are we not? Oh, you remember 1 Samuel chapter 1 in that blessed story? Verse 4. When the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 9, So Hannah rose after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. And Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept. Sore. 
And she vowed a vow of the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thine handmaid, remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then will I give unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. It must have been. It must have been. It must have been. Something along these lines that Mrs. Manoah was praying that day, laboring in a field alone. It came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli marked her mouth. (laughs) Yeah, marked her mouth. Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. May I say, but only to God. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunken. You remember the story, verse 16. She speaks and says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. I said to you there's been many a time. Yes, all through the centuries of the life of the church of the living Christ, there's been many a time that a deliverer has been sent because of the labors of a woman alone in a field. Well, I ask again, how many deliverers have been sent down from heaven by the labors of a woman alone in a field? I want to say while others were sleeping, she was interceding to God. Tears wetting her pillow. While others were just busy complaining about the situation, she was in a field somewhere interceding to God. While others were faint and just gave up and quit, she couldn't stop laboring in her field alone. Oh, how many deliverances have been wrought in my life, I can testify. By a woman that wouldn't stop laboring in the field alone. Can I tell you that even fools, did you know in the Bible that even fools have been rescued from their folly by a woman alone in her labors? <laughs> I won't take the time. I have it written out. I won't take the time, but first Samuel chapter twenty five. You remember the story well. I won't read it to you. But you remember what happened there. What a fool. What a fool this man was. David was in need of food and rations. His men needed help. He sent out word and he offered to buy. And he said, I need help. And this fool answered back, telling him he'd do nothing for him. They'd put him out. But that dear wife, oh, that dear wife, she heard it. She heard it. Abigail, 
She made haste, verse 18 of that chapter, and took two loaves and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn, a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. She said to her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she not told not her husband Nabal, she's quite alone in this enterprise. Oh, but she's laboring. She's laboring. She's in a field alone now. But she's laboring. You know the rest of the story in the mercy of God the fool was spared and so was all of his people because of the labors of a woman alone in her enterprise. Oh, could I just plead with you this morning, my dear sisters? Never tire. Oh, don't forsake your field of labors. Even when you are alone. Nay, even more when you seem to be alone in those labors. Not to help. Oh, do not forsake your field of labors. Even when you're alone, when the hours are torturous. And especially when the labor is unnoticed and unrecognized, when all others have deserted their post, and even your soulmate is distracted, and you seem altogether alone, do not forsake your place of labors. Remember, Mrs. Manoa. Remember, Mrs. Manoa. But I give you secondly this morning if I can, if I have the strength. Not only was she alone in a field of laborers, but she was alone in a field of loss. Look with me again at verse 4. I pray thee, drink not wine nor any strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. Look with me again at verse 7. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt receive, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither any unclean thing. Look with me again at verse 14. Now she may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Oh, what a great loss is this for a Hebrew woman. The Nazarite vow is being put on a woman. That burden of all the requirements, and I chose not to go there for sake of time, not to go back and read. You go back and read for yourself. All, it's not just this, it's everything. All that's involved in that Nazarite vow. The angel of the Lord comes and says, it's on you now. Oh, what a great loss of things in her life. Because this child is to be a Nazarite from the womb. These were the foods of her everyday diet. These are the foods that gave her sustenance to labor. 
These are the things of which every Israelite may partake daily and freely. But not now. Mrs. Manoah has lost that. Mrs. Manoah has lost that. Oh, listen. It's not to all the Jewish maidens that this Holy One speaks with such restricting losses. It's not to all Israel that this Holy One speaks with such great restrictions of loss. It's not even just to the priests on which this requirement falls with heavy hand. Oh no, listen, it's not even to Manoah. Recognizing that he must bear up every day to this great loss. No, no. It is to her alone. She's alone in this field of loss. No, it's to her alone. She is to be alone in this field of loss. Oh, my dear sisters. My dear beloved sisters, what great losses may God ask you to bear alone to see Him begin a deliverance in your kingdom? What great losses may God ask you to bear alone? Dear mother always faces losses just in the normal having of a child. Oh yes, before she even sees his little face, there'll be a loss of sleep. Every mother here knows that. (laughs) Even before she ever sees his little face, there'll be a loss of sleep, there'll be a loss of appetite. She'll face the ultimate and greatest loss before she ever sees his face. She'll go down into the valley of death to deliver him into this world and run the very real risk of loss of life before she even sees his face. Oh, in our text, this word is used twice. In verse 4 and verse 13, beware. It is a word in the Hebrew of harsh warning. Beware with the greatest alarm the word comes. It is a word of harsh warning. Oh, I submit to you this morning, I can only see, I can only imagine how it must strike her delicate soul with terror when this angel speaks it to her twice. Beware. Beware. 
but she must bear it. She must bear it in her field alone. Fawcett rightly counsels us here in this text when he says, as the divine promise tested her faith, so this precept will test her obedience. The sanctifying of this son must begin from the sanctifying of the mother. For from her he draws his nourishment both in the womb and at the breast. Mothers should remember how much their children's character from the first depends on them and should deny themselves in all that might act prejudicially upon their children. Deny themselves. There needs to be loss. There's going to be loss. Listen to this statement. Take it with you. She who would have a holy child must be herself holy. Even, listen now, this is Fawcett's words, not mine. Even innocent things connected with evil are to be shunned. Of all that God forbids, beware. Of all that God commands, observe. They who would have Christ spiritually formed in their children must cleanse themselves from all whereby the growth of the new man might be hindered. Listen now. Oh, put this down. God alone sees the links which connect every moment of time's little circles with the vast circumference of eternity. Did you get it? Every God alone sees the links which connect every moment of time's little circles with the vast circumference of eternity. What is Fawcett saying? He's saying every little thing matters, Mother. Every little thing matters. You ought to deny yourselves even the things that are absolutely not evil. Even the things that may be allowed for others. You need to deny them to yourselves because God would have this deliverer to be holy. And if you want your child to be holy, you're going to have to suffer loss. You may have to give up. A lot of things. Oh, let me admonish you this morning. Mrs. Manoa's give. Whatever it is God would require of you to save your son, give it. Whatever God would require of you to save your husband, give it. 
Whatever God would require of you to see a deliverance begun in your life, give it. Even if you must suffer those losses alone and without help. Give the testimony that Esther gave of old in Esther 4 and 16 when she said, I'll do this thing and if I perish, I'll perish. But I will do this thing. God may require of you losses. Can I admonish you? Look at Mrs. Manoa. Oh, she's in a field this morning. Quite alone. She's in a field of labor. Alone. She's in a field of loss. Alone. Even Mr. Manoa is not required to go here. She will pay alone. Many more fields. Many more fields of labor. Many more fields rather. I'd like to show you that Mrs. Manoa is in alone. But listen to this hymn. Listen to the words of this hymn. In our My God, my portion and my love, my everlasting all, I've none but Thee in heaven above or on this earthly ball. How vain a toy is glittering wealth if once compared to Thee. Or what's my safety or my help or all my friends compared to Thee. Were I possessor of the earth and called the stars my own, without thy graces and thyself, I were a rich undone. Let others stretch their arms like seas and grasp in all the shore. Grant me the visits of thy grace and I desire no more. That's the prayer of Mrs. I'll give it all, she says. I'll give it all. I'll give it all. Another hymn writer says, hymn number 558, And must I part with all I have? My dearest Lord, for thee. It is but right, since thou hast done much more than this for me. Yes, let it go. One look from thee will more than make amends. For all the losses I sustain of honor, riches, friends. Ten thousand worlds, ten thousand lives, how worthless they appear compared with thee, supremely good, divinely bright and fair. Savior of souls, could I from thee a single smile obtain? The loss of all these things I could bear and glory in my gain. Oh, my dear sisters, Mrs. Manoa is alone in a field. 
God willing, if He's pleased next week, we'll see some other fields that you belong in. Turn with me, if you will, in your hymn book. Stand with me. We sing together number 468. Stand with me. I'm sorry, number 690. I'm sorry, number 690. How the last this wretched heart has wandered from the Dear Lord, and may I come, my vow in gratitude I mourn, oh take the wonderful, and canst thou will to thou yet forgive and bid my crimes remove and shall a pardon rebel live to speak thy wondrous love thy parting love so so sweet, blessed your I adore. Oh, keep me at thy sacred feet. And 